food definitely affects our mood. But at what point is it food and at what point do we need to reach out for assistance? Today we're going to be having that conversation about food and our mood. All the nutrition information out there today, everything's conflicting, completely confusing. How are we supposed to be healthy if even the experts can't agree? This is Outspoken Nutrition. I'm your host, Laura Timbrook, and we're going to break it all down. I was trained in the holistic health community, and there was this understanding that sugar caused a lot of our mental health issues, whether it was depression, anxiety, there was even a belief that sugar caused ADHD in children. And a lot of times when we make these assumptions and we hear this and we might look at influencers or professionals that are really promoting this advice, it a lot of times leaves those suffering and preventing from seeking treatment. And today's episode, I really want to take a moment and talk about how food affects our mood and what we need to do, how a better diet can enhance our mood, but is it going to fix some of our mental health struggles? Now, before we get started, I want to answer that question right off the bat. While food and how we eat does affect our mood, it is not going to cure depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, ADHD, autism, no matter what kind of crazy thing people say, is yes, sugar in our overall diet plays a big role in our moods, but it is not going to play a role enough for us not to be seeking treatment when we're at the level when we need to be seeking treatment. And how do we know we need to seek treatment? Well, there is a simple checklist, and I'm going to put it down in the in the show notes. Go check it out. But listen, if you are feeling hopeless, like you can't move forward, if you're having troubles getting out of bed, you need to seek help. And there's so many resources out there. You can visit um, NAMI, which is the National Association of uh, Mental Illness. They have some great psychology today is another great one. There's also so many apps. There's telehealth. There's so much options of now getting help, seeking help. And it's really important if we find ourselves depressed, anxious, where it's controlling our life, that we are seeking help and not just doing it by diet. Now, diet will help. Diet will make some of the symptoms a little bit easier, can make medication work better, but we still need to seek the help. Now let's get into how sugar affects our brain. Well, the biggest thing is we all have seen probably at some point the difference when they have the brain that's like cocaine and they had the brain on sugar and they both lit up the same way. That's kind of oversimplifying a very complex issue. And I really hate the idea when people are like, well, sugar is just as addictive as heroin. No, it is not. Stop that bullshit. It, yes, can sugar be addictive? Yes. Is it as addictive as heroin? Absolutely not. If you've ever seen somebody coming down from a heroin high and going through detox versus someone going through a, a sugar detox, it's a bunch of bullshit. And I think when we, spread this kind of misinformation. It is taking away from those that are suffering from drug and chemical addictions and kind of simplifying what they are going through. So if we don't do anything moving forward with this episode, please 
if you find somebody that is talking to you and they have had a drug addiction, do not follow it up with, I get it, I had a sugar addiction once in the past, F you. I mean, it is probably the rudest thing you could say to somebody that has gone through and is fighting that kind of addiction. Now, when we talk about food and moods, really what it comes down to is our chemical components in our brain with serotonin and dopamine. And serotonin and dopamine, as many of us know, these are our happy chemicals in our brain that really make us feel good. And sugar does. It, it, it does have an effect on, on dopamine and serotonin. And that's why we do feel good. And that's why a lot of times we keep eating it. Now, also keep in mind, a lot of times, many of us have grown up in a situation where sugar was reward. So not only do we have the chemical reward in our brain, we have the external reward of something tasting good. Maybe a parent, oh, you did so good. Let's go out and get ice cream. There is that feel good. So then you have the mental um, capacity of the serotonin and the dopamine and, you know, that whole system gets very complex and we're not even going to go down that system. But understanding this is where a lot of it comes into. You come in with sugars making you feel good and then maybe the environment making you feel good. You just did something. So, of course, it makes you feel good. You're going to want more of that, especially if you're in a state where maybe things are difficult right now and you're struggling. You're going to want that feel good and your body's going to say, hey, you know what makes me feel good? Ice cream makes me feel good. So you're going to go out and get the ice cream. But here's the thing that comes back. A lot of times when we have sugar, especially if it's a sugar without a protein, that is causes instability within our blood sugar. So while you'll feel good initially, as you get this increase in your blood sugar and all these happy chemicals are floating in your brain, once your sugar starts dropping, all of that changes. A lot of times when your sugar starts dropping, you become irritable, you know, and it's very much like a roller coaster. The higher you go, the higher you can drop. So when you are constantly looking for the sugar and as you drop down, your body is like, hey, I want that sugar high again. It's one of the reasons if you've ever had a kid and Easter morning, they go crazy and then all of a sudden they get like agitated and angry and then they crash and they're like sleeping for the next couple hours. That is essentially how sugar works. It's just in kids, we can see it a little bit more than when we see it in adults. So it definitely has an effect, and it has an effect from our insulin level. It has an effect from the happy brain chemicals. So if you are already in a depressive state, eating higher sugar diets is going to affect it. It might exuberate what you're having and even give you more of those highs and lows. Now, it, like I said, it's not going to correct it. I think this is where we see a lot where, you know, oh, you're going through depression. Well, if you change your diet, you can reverse depression. Listen, diet is going to come into play a little bit but it's not gonna come into play as much as we think. And I think a lot of times when we have these professionals that tell us this, and then we don't seek the help, we get even lower and lower. And this is really what we want. So we want to follow a healthy diet. We wanna eat our fruits and vegetables. We want a little bit of sugar because a little bit of sugar is some joy. And those that say we should never eat with emotions, 
I know I've said it in a couple other podcasts, we will always eat out of emotion. That is kind of in our nature. And this is going back of years, you know, even think about when we used to have feasts with the kings and queens, it was always about food. So by saying, oh, don't eat with emotions, Listen, this is in our DNA at this point that we're going to eat out of emotions. And I think those of those that say I don't eat out of emotions, they're not being honest with themselves. And a lot of times I could tell you from my experience when I've run into health professionals that oh, I never eat out of an emotions. There are generally other things going on there that they're ignoring. And we want to understand that, yes, why we gonna eat out of emotions, it doesn't mean we have to overeat out of emotions either. When you find yourself sad, go ahead, go for the ice cream, but understand that ice cream, understand what it is, and maybe watch the portion because if you're gonna go and eat an entire pint of ice cream, that is gonna do a number on your blood sugar, especially if it's not paired with the protein. And a lot of times when we eat sugar, it's not generally paired with a protein. So that's one of the things. Now, if you are going to eat sugar and overindulge, maybe put it around a higher protein meal so that we can you know, have some more stability in it. Fiber can also help. So if you have that pint of ice cream and I don't know, two cups of vegetables, <laughs> I know. No, no one's going to eat ice cream and vegetables. But you see what I'm saying? It's important that we are utilizing food to help enhance a better mood, but also seeking the medical professionals, the advice, medication, whatever we need to help us through that. But yeah, when it comes to food, it's not going to cure these. It will help it. And I think a lot of times when we talk about curing things, we have to be very careful. So while food is very powerful, you know, it needs to be used in conjunction with other methodologies. Now, that isn't meaning that you go on the medication and then you just eat a crappy sugar diet. No, because again, we're not allowing our body to help assist with the medication. So if we are on medication, eat a healthy diet. If you're not on medication, eat a healthy diet. You know what this all comes down to? Eat the effing healthy diet. I know for a lot of this episode, we really focused on sugar, but this goes about for a lot of other foods. Anytime we have a reaction to a food, it will affect our blood sugar, which will then in turn affect our mood. This goes for if you're sensitive to gluten, if you're sensitive to casein, if you don't do well with eating peas or beans or whatever it is. So any food can affect our mood, especially when it's a food that doesn't work properly for our diet. And a lot of times we see when foods don't work, it'll actually affect our blood sugar. It'll affect your digestive system. So how do you know if it might be another food that's affecting your mood? Well, the simplest thing is to journal. So if you're finding that your mood has been a little bit all over the place, start food journaling. It's actually a really good idea to have a food journal anyway, because you might notice that some food makes you feel bloated after you eat it, and you wouldn't see it unless you were food journaling. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to take pictures and make it super difficult. You can go to the dollar store, pick up a simple little, you know, three by five notebook, and just simply write things down and record how you feel within 30 minutes of eating. And if you want, you 
You can do a one to 10 scale. You could do happy faces and sad faces, however you want to record it. But understand because there's sometimes that you're going to eat a meal and you know that you get like maybe not so productive. You're slow. You're sluggish. You get tired. Maybe you get minor headaches. That's a big one that a lot of people don't associate with certain foods. They think it's something else going on and we actually find it being a certain food. Now, if you want to go one step further, the next thing to do is you can actually, Lynn Janae, the metabolism plan, we've talked a lot about her on the podcast. She has a great diet that walks you through exactly this on monitoring what foods cause weight issues, cause physical reactions, and you will learn exactly what food affects you in what way. And it's really interesting on how her research has come out. But these are two really simple. The simplest method is just well, buy yourself a journal and start keeping it. You know, a couple months ago, we actually had a really big name in the biohacking world come on the podcast, and he was talking about biohacking. And his simple tip for everybody was to start journaling the food. Two weeks, have an understanding of how your body reacts to different foods because the food will change your mood. We see a lot of times with kids and food coloring. Certain food colorings will drastically affect a kid's personality. I used to have a neighbor that used to always give my one daughter lollipops and I would tell her anything with caramel coloring or red coloring would just send her off the walls. And she's like, that's not true. And one day we were over for a barbecue and she ended up giving her a red lollipop. She watched my daughter within 30 minutes go from this happy-go-lucky laughing kid to like hitting me and just being aggressive. And it was always because of the food dye. Now, as she grew up, she kind of grew out over that. But I think when you're little, a lot of these different sensitivities become exaggerated. So it's good to understand that there's certain foods, food um, additives that could be affecting our mood. We see it a lot with people that eat MSG. They'll complain about headaches after. These are all different types of things that will affect our body. So if you're eating something and you notice that maybe you get that headache or you get tired, it's probably your body's way of telling you this food isn't great for me, stop eating it. So we really need to listen to our bodies and understand what our body is telling us and then create a diet that doesn't support feeling bad, that creates a diet that supports feeling good and we can be happy and healthier and that's what this is all about. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like we said earlier in the episode, if you are finding yourself feeling depressed, it's controlling your life, you feel hopeless, please reach out and get help. I hope everybody enjoys this episode. I will talk to you next week. And as always, don't forget to eat your effing veggies. Talk to you all later.